I want you to look again with me, if you would, this morning, in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And I want you to take notice of how many times David speaks of his will, his decision to do something. Verse 3 says, The God of my rock and him will, there's the word, in him will I trust. Verse 4, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from mine enemies. And it says, I will call on the Lord. At the end of the chapter, you'll notice in verse 15, Therefore, I will, you might want to underline all of these, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. And here's another one. And I will sing praises unto thy name. And of course, this song by David is recorded in its entirety in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, the entire song begins with an introduction. In fact, if you'll look at verse 1 of 2 Samuel, I'll read the introduction from the book of Psalms and look at the, the similarity. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this psalm, in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and guess what he says in the psalms? I will love the Lord. I will love the Lord. Now, now just think about this for a moment. Churches all over America today are absolutely filled with professing believers who say, I might, I want, I wish, I'm waiting, I'm thinking about it, I'm hoping, or I would. There are all kinds of people who have all kinds of reasons or excuses, really, for why their relationship with Christ is anemic or shallow or lacking, if only this or that or the other, then maybe I might. But here we see a man named David who, by the way, who's not on the mountaintop at this time, who is not flourishing in the palace, who's not spiking the football in the end zone, but rather who's somewhere else. It's verse 7, in my distress. I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And of course, this is the same David, note this, who's a musician, a shepherd, a servant at heart, a man, in other words, who would be inclined to wish upon a star, to hope for the best and then write poetry about it. He's the one who looks instead at his will, his choice, his decision. And here in the midst of distress, and opposition, he keeps on saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, five times, I will. And you know what happens? He does. And yes, it is by God's mercy and God's grace and strength that he does it. But make no mistake, before he does it, he wills, he decides, he chooses, he determines, and he appoints it. And on this Lord's Day morning, at the beginning of a brand new year, I think it would be wise and spiritual and extremely effective as a thing for us to be reminded that the reason why David became the man after God's own heart is because he wanted to and he decided to. The reason why Daniel did not defile himself way and far away Babylon is because the Bible says he purposed in his heart not to. The reason Paul did not quit or compromise is that he said in his own words, he determined not to do so. The Christian's personal responsibility may be the single 
greatest missing element in postmodern Christianity. James said, To him that knoweth do God not, to him it is sin. So I hope you listen very carefully this morning as we speak on the words of David, who said, I will. I will. Father, please help us. And we need your help. Thank you, Lord, for every person in this room who came today. None of us here by accident. And so please speak to our hearts in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, one of the interesting things that I've observed through the years about spiritual maturity and the difference between, say, a babe in Christ and the man after God's own heart is that for the more immature Christians who is perhaps holding back, stagnant in their spiritual growth, most of his relationship with God and with Christ is summed up in the words, thou shalt, or thou shalt not. In other words, Lord, tell me the big things that you want me to do in the Bible that I'm supposed to do, and like a checklist, I'll see how it goes. I'll look at it. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, this is exactly what we do with our own children when they are very young and immature. But you know, the hope with our children is that eventually they'll move away from, Andy, thou shalt brush thy teeth, to Andy saying, I will brush my teeth. That's maturity. And so what's significant about our text is that it was sung by David as an old man. David here is way up in years, and it's just before his final departing words in the very next chapter. In other words, this is no child who's saying that he's afraid in verse 5, that he's distressed in verse 7, that he's sorrowful. This is the aged man after God's own heart. And fittingly, it is in this song that David says the words, I will, no less than five times. Speaking about five different virtues in the Christian life. And you know, beloved, I have to tell you that from my understanding, this is it. I mean, this fivefold resolve by King David who says, I will, this is pretty much the entire curriculum and outline form of the graduate school of faithfulness. When a man or when a woman says, I will, I will do this. And with all five of these things, it carries them. It carries them through, and they become the man, the woman, after God's own heart. What are they? Well, the first one we noted earlier is what we read in the full psalm where David said, I will love the Lord. Now, hear me carefully. I will, he said, love the Lord. I want you to think about this for a moment. David, as an aged man, chose. He chose to love God. Now, we all know the Bible its greatest command as Jesus was asked, what's the great commandment? And he repeated it back. We know the great command in the Bible is, thou shalt. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. We also know that since he first loved us, he first loved us, and since he demonstrated that love at Calvary, and every day since Calvary, we have every reason to choose to love him back. And to do so with all of our heart, and all of our mind, and all of our strength. The question is, do we love him? Do you love him? I remember a little girl, Martha, was hugging her two little dolls, 
And she squeezed them and she hugged those little dolls with all the might her pudgy little arms could muster. And finally looked up to her mother and she said, Mama, I love them. And I love them and I love them and I love them, but they never love me back. God loves us and He loves us and He loves us. And sometimes, when especially because we are distressed like David, we never love Him back. And you know, what's especially significant about that is the reason why we don't. You see, most Christians don't love God the way David did because they're just waiting. Some in this room, you're waiting on something. You're waiting on some feeling, some emotion, some experience. Like most love songs these days, zing, with the string of my heart, Sinatra says. Really? You know, that's the whole modern notion of worship today. It's I feel. I want the warm and the fuzzies when I come to church. Okay, that's fine, but that's not love. It may be an accessory to love, but only Hollywood calls that love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, don't misunderstand. Emotions are involved in loving God. You say, I will love thee, O Lord. And especially if you say it from a time of trial, I will love my God. Sometimes you'll feel like shouting, weeping, laughing. You just can't help it. But folks, David was in distress. David was with fear and sorrow. He didn't say, I will get the goosebumps. I will get the warm and fuzzies. He said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Put it this way. When's the last time you were in sorrow or you were in distress or you had fears and the first thing you prayed was, Lord, I will love you. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the appearances, no matter how your heart feels, I choose to love God. Everybody who's in here today came to church this morning. All of us. That's self-evident, right? Johnny Pope always says, how many of you are here today? And whatever. But you know, some people have come to church today hoping to love God. Thinking that going to church for some people is an effort to catch a feeling, a moment, an experience that makes them feel loving towards God or that God loves them. However, many of you in this room, if not most of you, you came here today because a long time ago He first loved you. And because He loved you, you responded by saying, I will love Him. And I'll go to church, and I'll not do this thing in the Scriptures, and I will do that thing in the Scriptures. That's choosing. If you love me, that's choosing to love. And if you doubt, beloved, that Love is a choice. I'll remind you, the Bible commands us to love our neighbors. In fact, the Bible commands us to love our enemies. Where's the warm and fuzzies in that? There's, there's no warm and fuzzy. Interesting, the Bible says love your neighbor, love your enemy, because sometimes they're the same person. Amen. <laughs> this love is a decision. The great Bible teacher, F.B. Meyer, 
made an interesting confession one time. He said that it was very, very easy for him to pray for G. Campbell Morgan and his ministry as long as G. Campbell Morgan was in America. But when Mr. Morgan came back to England and took over a church that was right next to his church, he said it became harder for me to pray for his success. In fact, let me read to you what he said. The old Adam in me was inclined to jealousy, but I got my heel upon Satan's head, and whether I felt right towards my friend, I determined to act right. And so before the first Sunday, F.B. Meyer asked G. Campbell Morgan to preach in his church and have a welcoming reception. And F.B. Meyer stood before his congregation and he said, if I wasn't preaching myself every week, I would go to hear this man preach instead. And he wrote, you know, even though I wasn't right in how I felt, the way that I felt towards Mr. Morgan, God honored how I acted and how I prayed for that man's success. He said, here's the thing happened in those days, Charles Spurgeon was running thousands on this side of town. And now Mr. Morgan's drawing thousands on this side of his church. So that there were always thousands of the overflow that came to my church. And for all those years of ministry, I had more people than I could accommodate. What happened? Well, he just ignored his so-called feelings and he chose to love G. Campbell Morgan. Folks, we have swallowed pop culture's idea that love just happens. That you fall in love. That it's a magical thing, totally and blissfully out of your control. No, it is not. D.L. Moody used to tell this story. He said a little boy declared that he loved his mother with all of his strength. And someone said, what does that mean? How do you love your mother with all of your strength? He's a little boy, and he said, well, I can tell you. We live on the fourth floor of this tenement. There's no elevator, and the coal is kept down in the basement. My mom works so hard, and she's so busy, and mama's not very strong. So I see to it that the coal in the hold is never empty. I lug that coal up four flights of stairs all by myself. And it's a big load up here. And then he said to the man, he says, now isn't that loving my mother with all of my strength? I can tell you this. That little boy's understanding, he has a better grasp of what love is than most worship leaders I know. One summer after my freshman year in college, I came back home and I got this letter there's this girl in any town. She had a crush on me since about 10th grade or so. and She really wanted to express her love and how much she missed me. So she wrote a note. And it had lots of little broken hearts and tears drawn on it. And the note said, this is the only way I can tell you how I feel. And the only way to tell you is to tell you to please listen to this song. I cry every night when I hear it. I've been crying all year or whatever. It says it all. The song was a big hit, huge hit that year. It's still a big hit. So they didn't have Google. I couldn't Google the lyrics. So I actually had to listen to it two or three times. The song says, sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much. I have to close my eyes and hide. I want to hold you till I die. Till we both break down and cry. 
I want to hold you till the fear in me subsides. I'm listening to this and writing down the lyrics, thinking hide, cry, die, fear. This is not the love I'm looking for, amen? (laughs) You can do that with any love song the world writes. I don't care what it is. The world knows nothing about love. Not really. David solemnly chose to love the Lord, and so should we today. That's one, I will. The other one I want you to notice, number one, I will love the Lord. Number two, I will trust the Lord. Look at verse three. The God of my rock in him, and this emphasizes it, by the way, because he puts it first, in him will I trust. Now, beloved, understand that in all the years leading up to this song, King David was in a really strange position. Here he was, the anointed, the chosen by God himself as king of Israel. And yet he's the one hiding, not Saul. So he doesn't really understand why, if God is on his throne, why is there this persecution? Why leave David in the wilderness running for his life if he's the rightful king? Why do sorrows and death threats compass him? Why do the floods of ungodly men, he says, make him afraid? It doesn't make sense to him. So what does he do? He chooses to trust the Lord. In spite of the darkness, what you can't see, he chooses to trust God no matter what. Someone said to me some time ago about a person, they said, well, pastor, he's bitter. But he's bitter for good reason. He's bitter because of all he has been through. And if you knew what happened to him, Pastor, you would agree. You wouldn't blame him for getting bitter at God. It's the result of his circumstances. I want to say this. Bitterness is a choice. Unbelief is a choice. Job chose not to get bitter. Isaiah chose not to get bitter. David chose not. Jeremiah chose not to get bitter, even though he could not understand all of the horrible circumstances he was in. He still chose to trust in God. Pastor, I don't understand this. I do not understand why God would allow this. That's okay. As long as in all of your lack of understanding, you choose to believe God who is omniscient. Trust his wisdom. Trust his power. Trust his word. In Psalm 52, David said, What time I am afraid, I will. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. What time I am afraid. The time in the future that fear comes upon me, he already knows what he's going to do. I will. I will trust in thee. So that again, folks, we know that the Bible commands us to trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. We know that. Then why not? Why not proclaim with conviction, okay, I will. God commands me to do it. I'm going to do it. I will trust in thee, my God, my strength, my buckler. Oh, pastor, I want to trust God, but the finances, but the health, the workplace, things are horrible. I know. Sometimes they are, and that's when you say, verse 2, the Lord is my rock in whom I will, will I trust. See, our problem is this. Hear me carefully. We want to trust God in the perfect situation. And, of course, God owes us that perfect situation in some people's minds. 
One of the saddest things I've noticed going on a visitation the past 35 years, 35 years now, of Prosperity Health and Wealth TV Ministries. One of the saddest things is, is just meeting person after person. All of the disillusioned, bitter, shallow people who have swallowed the prosperity peddler's pablum until they just couldn't afford it anymore. These merchandisers on television living on people's financial gifts themselves, teaching that God wants His people to live with lots of money, all this success, lots of good health, and virtually no earthly trials unless you lack faith. And when it doesn't happen, just like it didn't always happen to James or Paul or Peter or Isaiah or Job or Joseph or all of the martyrs, and just like it doesn't happen to nearly every Christian in China today, or Cuba today, or North Korea, or Venezuela, or Indonesia. Millions upon millions of believers. When they don't get a Rolls Royce here in America like the preachers promised, or a Rolex, or whatever, they get delusioned. And the woods are full of people like that. And if it's not money, they promised them complete healing, and they didn't get it, and they got bitter. Smooth sailing, successful endeavors, the perfect marriage. Everything. The brightest teeth. I don't know. They promise everything. Except that in David's distress, it's in David's fear, it's in his sorrow, that our God is just as trustworthy as in his coronation day. Trust him. I will. Oliver Cromwell in England was going through a period in his life when he couldn't sleep. He was fretting about his role in the realm, and well, he should have. He had a Christian advisor who said to him one night, he said, may I ask you a question, sir? And Cromwell said, sure. And the man said, sir, didn't God rule the world before we were born? He said, yes. Will God rule the world when we're all dead? Yes. Then why not let him rule the world while you're alive? Thou art our God in whom we trust. You want to see the kind of faith that God wants us to have? Do you say, I will? The Bible says that God is a rock, right? As Andy prayed a moment ago, you look at verses 2 and 3. Deliverer, high tower, our fortress, the horn of our salvation. These metaphors all picture the power. But notice how David's trust, he puts his hand on the word my. Two letters, M-Y, my. And he holds to all that God is and claims it for his own. Read it with me, would you? Look at it. Verse 2, and he said, the Lord is my rock. My fortress, my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield, my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. He saveth me from violence. Ten times, folks. He claims the promises of God for his own. That doesn't mean that everything was rosy. Of course not. It wasn't. It simply means that David trusted because he chose to trust. So what about you and me? I will love, I will trust. Number three, he determined, I will call. Look at verse four, I will. There it is. I will call on the Lord who is worthy. Let me just say this. I don't believe that God is like your spare tire that you only take out in times of emergency and then you ignore it for months. I don't believe that at all. But I know this. Sometimes God allows emergencies in this world just to remind us to pray, to remind us of our constant daily privilege. 
There used to be a bumper sticker a long time ago. They took prayer out of schools, and the bumper sticker said, as long as there are final exams, there will be prayer in schools. It's like the little boy, you know, he walked an aisle in church, and he got on his knees, and he prayed earnestly and like tears in his eyes, and he kept repeating, Tokyo, Tokyo. And the pastor said, why? Son, I like to see you praying so earnestly, but why keep saying Tokyo? And the boy said, well, pastor, Friday was my geography exam. I was asking God to make Tokyo the capital of France. <laughs> Emergency time. <laughs> but, you know, calling on God in times of distress, that's what David's doing. In emergencies, God doesn't mind one bit. When we really learn how to pray in faith. And I'll say it again, it is the mature saint of God who says, I'm just going to do it. You don't feel like doing it. I will call upon the Lord. It is a resolve. It is a decision. I remember when I was in Bible college, there were guys studying for ministry who never did that, never chose to pray, never set aside a time when they said, I will call upon the Lord. It was just half asleep in the dorm, barely trying now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If he hollers, let him go. And they go to sleep. <laughs> and of course, there were others too who said, I will. I will pray. I can name those guys. They're all still serving the Lord. They're all friends of mine, faithful. Been pastoring their churches also 35, 36, 38 years. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy. Verse 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. How do you know? Faith. It brings us to another I will in the text. In fact, there are two more together. Look at them again. It's the very end. We'll close. Verse 47 says, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. And exalted be the God, the rock of my salvation. But then he says, verse 50, therefore I will. Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. And I will, I will sing praises unto thy name. I will, David said. That's number four and five. I will give thanks to the Lord. I will sing praises to his name. David said, I'm looking at God's faithfulness. He describes it through the chapter and he says, therefore, I will give thanks. You know, beloved, we have so much to be thankful for. Don't we? Then just say, I will do it. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be grateful. I read this some time ago about an interesting thing about the earth's population, which is now 7.8 billion people. It said, if we could shrink the earth's population to a village of 100 people, here's the way the world would look. So 100 people, 7.8 billion down to 100. There would be 57 Asians, 21 Europeans, 14 from the Western Hemisphere, and 8 Africans. 50, 50 of the 100 would suffer from malnutrition, and one would be near death. Only one would have a college education, and only one would own a computer. 80 would live in substandard housing. 70 would be unable to read. Six would possess 59% of the world's wealth, and all six of them would be from North America. It goes on to say this. 
We attend church without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death. We are better off than five billion people in this regard. We have money in the bank and spare change in a dish, food in the refrigerator, clothes on our backs, and a roof over our heads. That makes us richer than 78% of this world. Which is simply to say that God's good to us. That God is very good. So say it, I will. It's raining and it's cold. It's hot and it's humid. I will sing praises to thy name. We sing the hymn, I will follow thee, my Savior. Wheresoever thy pathway may go, through the storm or through the valleys, or through great trials and low, I will live for thee, my Savior. The war and strife mark the way. I will. Two words that belong in every Christian's vocabulary. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for a moment. You want to do a study in the Bible that will blow your mind? Just look at all the I wills, including in the New Testament. The Christian life is always a matter of just, not always a matter of the old saying goes, let go and let God. God holds us to personal responsibility, decision-making, determination, holy resolve. Some of you made a resolution in the past seven days. Maybe it has to do with losing weight, saving money, paying off a debt. How about this? How about saying this year I will? Find out which of these five things you need to do or at what time, and I will. I will. By the end of this year, I guarantee you, you'll be closer to being a man or woman after God's own heart. Pastor, I'm here today, and I'm saved by the grace of God. But I needed this reminder, these reminders, or this message, or this text, whatever it is. You say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I needed this today, and God has spoken to my heart. With heads bowed, who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building? And I lift mine, and amen, and amen. There really are, we have the, we have the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the local church, power and privilege of prayer there is no room in a christian's life for excuses not to live a victorious life maybe you're here today and you've never accepted jesus christ as savior the lord jesus gives an invitation to you come unto me he said Will you say, I will, I will trust in Jesus Christ. If you're not sure about your salvation today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now and saying, yes, you're lost, you need to be saved, that is the grace of God. Respond to that grace by saying, I will trust in Jesus. Who would say that? I won't embarrass you, I won't come to you, but could I pray for you? Would you lift your hand? That's me, Pastor Blaylock. I'm not sure I'm saved. God bless you, God bless you, and you as well. Amen and amen. Today is the day to say, I will trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Do it. We're going to pray in a moment, have a time of invitation. If God is speaking to your heart, obey his voice, won't you? Brother Andy will be here at the front if you need to speak with someone. It may be a public decision, joining the church or being baptized, whatever it is. God is speaking to your heart. I hope you'll listen to it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have enabled your people 
We spoke to the young people in Sunday school earlier about the transformation, the metamorphosis that the new birth brings. We're alive in Christ. We can make decisions and choices that are good and godly. I pray that we will, that we will say with David, I will call upon thee. I will trust in thee. I will love thee. I will praise thee. I will give thee thanks. For these who have asked for prayer, draw them to you. For those who are not sure about their salvation, thank you. For their sincerity and humility in asking for prayer, we do pray for them. They would recognize that what they need to do is receive your Son, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. May they receive that gift today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.